Hey neighbors, it's Deanna. Today I'm going to be sharing a story that I like to call the right place at the right time. Welcome to the good all around us. Hi, Deanna. Hi, Chris. Our first episode. Are you excited? I'm super excited. Super excited. Oh, this has been so much fun putting all this together. It's been fun putting it together with you. Oh, thank you, sweetie. Um, I'm I'm ready to share a little bit about what's going on around here. So um, our home smells like a fine Italian restaurant. It does tonight. I don't know if we brought in Luigi and he's in the kitchen as we speak cooking I be- us I something. I believe we brought the finest chefs from uh, Stouffer's. Oh. And they're making lasagna. Okay. Yes, it's very... <laughs> easy. Very easy. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, So welcome, welcome, welcome to the Good All Around Us podcast. We are happy to have you here. I'm Chris Lay. I'm Deanna Lay. And we want to share with you a little bit of a disclosure before we jump into all this. So gang, we are actually recording this in our home. Correct. Um, So therefore, you're probably going to hear the dogs or the cats from time to time. That's right. We have a lot of them. It's really their house. We just live here. Mm -hmm, For sure. That's kind of how it works. We have our oldest dog, Sandy. Yep. And uh, we have a new COVID puppy who's one year old. That's right. We got her right at the beginning of quarantine. Best Co- time to potty train a dog Absolutely. during quarantine. Absolutely. Now, her name is Coco. Mm-hmm. I give them silly nicknames. So Coco is Coco Bean. Mm-hmm. And Sandy is Sanderson Pooper. You're welcome, Mr. Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we have uh, three cats. We do. And they are? Kiki, who acts like a dog. She Mm. comes when she's called. She's phenomenal. And then we have Blue, who is as large as a dog, weighs about 20 pounds. And then we have Rue, who is the sweetest, not the brightest. No. Definitely definitely the sweetest. Definitely not the brightest. (laughs) Of all of our animals. That's our zoo. That's what we, uh, we deal with every day. So if you hear them while we're recording, please excuse the noise. But we do believe that pets should be welcome here on The Good All Around Us. Because what makes you happier than the lick of a dog or a... <laughs> the li- <laughs> yes. What does make you happier than the lick of a dog? Than, the, than petting a dog or <laughs> petting a cat. The dander of a cat. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Well, that's our zoo. So full disclosure... We research these stories on the internet, which I like to call the interwebs, and look for multiple sources. Then we compile our stories to share with each other and all of you. So today, Deanna is the host, and I'm hearing her story, this story, from her perspective for the very first time ever, just like you. If there are some things that are omitted or incorrect, for that we apologize. Um, You can send us stuff, but we're not going to do anything about it because we're moving on. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) With all that being said, it is time for you to happy up your life. Deanna Lay, take it away. Woohoo. So a lot of great stories start off with someone being there at the right place at the right time. And that's exactly what happened in early 2021. And because of that, one lucky elk is alive today. Hmm. So let's talk about elk. For a second. Let's. I learned on the Pedia of Wick. Okay. That elk 
are the largest species of the deer family and one of the largest terrestrial mammals in North America, Central, and East Asia. And then I had to Google what terrestrial means. <laughs> <laughs> I know what extraterrestrial means. So Ter- terrestrial is of the earth? Yes. And extra is not of the earth. Extra of the earth. <laughs> more of the earth. More no, of. wait. More of the outer space. <laughs> um, so it's really cool because they have a lifespan of 10 to 13 years in the wild. So hmm. about, a, about the age of a dog. Okay. Do you know what the males and the female elk are called? Yes. Bob and Loretta. <laughs> no. No. The males are bulls. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bulls. And then, um, hold on, I know this. Um, uh, not cows. Cows. Yes. Okay. Yes, actually, that's right. Okay. The females are called cows. So babies, baby elks, calves. they, they, they gestate calves, right? for 240 to 262 days. So okay. I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Males weigh 700 pounds. Females come in at around 500. Have you, I mean, we've seen male elks. They're huge. They are very large. Actually, when you're standing shoulder to shoulder with them, which I would never suggest ever. <laughs> not, uh, yes. Do, do not, not say this at home. <laughs> that the good all around us podcast told us to stand shoulder to shoulder with an elk. <laughs> but the males are 4.9 feet at their shoulder and the females are 4.3 feet. Now, of course, you add on the neck and the head and the... Antlers. Antlers. Yeah, I was going to say horns. <laughs> you knew what I was going to say. Okay, this is shocking. Guess how fast they run. How fast an elk can run? Yes. So I know that the cheetah is the fastest <laughs> land animal. <laughs> so I'm going to say that the uh, elk can run somewhere around 20 miles per hour. 40. 40? 40 wow. miles per hour. So it's like driving down a... Country road. <laughs> well, I think I'd be going 70 on a country yeah, road. Yeah, okay. So they are also known as the Wapiti, and that word comes from the Shawnee and the Cree word meaning white rump. White, well, that makes perfect sense because they do have white rumps. And they are the most gregarious of all deer species. During the summer, Gregarious. groups. Gregarious. <laughs> not that a fun word? That is a fun word, meaning that they're very social. They are very social. Okay. Um, yeah, during the summer, groups can reach up to 400 plus elk. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's not that crazy? That is crazy. I kind of remember seeing a really large, are they call herds? They got to be herds, not packs. Wolves uh, are packs. Herds are elks. Sure. Sure. So, and there's a whiny dog. See, perfect example. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I kind of remember seeing a really large herd of them when we were in Estes Park. Have you heard of elk? Uh, I have heard of elk. <laughs> Bob and Loretta. I know them both. Them well. <laughs> yes, we used to live in Colorado, and we would go up to Rocky Mountain National Park, Estes Park, and I think... Th- I think an elk is actually a mayor of Estes Park because <laughs> there are so many of them. And they can go literally anywhere they want. Exactly. They stop traffic. You drive down the street. A herd of elk will be crossing the road. They lounge. Uh, everywhere. On the golf course. On the golf course. <laughs> uh, well, we found them on the baseball field. Remember that? Yes. So we walked up to them. 
how far do you think we were away? I, we didn't get right on top of him no, because we're smarter no. than that. But we walked up to him. I want to say we were maybe 10, 15 yards away. And they were just laying there kind of chilling because they're really domesticated because they're around humans like all the time right. in Estes Park. And the smell. They smell so bad. I mean, they may be pretty gregarious and social together. Thank goodness for that. But they <laughs> stink. They obviously can't smell each other. But at, truthfully, here's here's the real reason why they smell so bad. So the males, mm-hmm. the it's way... Their, it's their musk, right? Yes. So I was going to say that they they have a certain scent for a certain reason. But because this is a G-rated podcast, we will leave it at that. My suggestion is Pedia of Wicket yourself and read about it because it's a lot of fun. You can say it, Deanna. It may be G-rated, but they pee on themselves. They do. The males pee on themselves. It gets all in their hair, but it actually attracts the females and it makes them like them a whole lot more. Well, there you go. It keeps humans away. It certainly keeps humans away. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. I know. Okay. So let's get into our story a little bit, but we do have a little bit more background because we have a story that takes place in the small town of Field, British Columbia. Oh, we're going on a trip. We are. Get in the car, kids. Field has a population of a whopping 169 people. Ooh. And British Columbia is a province in Canada, although Field is kind of on the border between British Columbia and Alberta. So it's about 130 miles west of Calgary, which is a pretty well-known city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Field itself is a mountain town. It's nestled right in the heart of the Canadian Rockies, and it's in the confines of the Yoho National Park. Yoho. That's fun to say. <laughs> Repeat after me. Yo-ho. <laughs> Yo-ho. <laughs> Not YOLO. YOLO. No. Not YOLO. Yo-ho. No. Yo-ho. Yo-ho National Park. The elevation in the area is 4,121 feet above sea That's level. That's pretty funny. Elevation's hilarious to you. It is. It cracks me up. <laughs> and the area attracts visitors literally from all over the world because of the numerous national parks. If you Google national parks around Calgary, you'll find about... 12 national parks and historic sites all within driving distance. I mean, after researching this, I want to go there like today. I know. Well, okay, maybe not today because right now it's very, very cold and there's a lot of snow on the ground. Um, in fact, temperatures range from about five degrees in December to about 53 degrees in July. So let's plan a trip in July. Okay. Doesn't that sound nice? It, 53 in July sounds heavenly compared to the 90-something and 90% humidity of St. Louis. I agree. That's right. Yeah. So anybody else a map geek? I'm, well, are you I, waiting for people to raise their hand? Yes, raise they your are. hand. They're all raising their hands. If you're a map geek there like they go. me. Oh, I see you out there. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> well, I had to Google it. So from St. Louis, which is where we are, mm-hmm. it would take 30 hours to drive from here to field. Okay. So not too bad. I mean, North and you then can, west. You can easily do that, can't you, Chris? Sure. And Two, power through that. Three, four cups of coffee. <laughs> so it's about 1,874 miles away from us and about just about 74. <laughs> just about. Uh, it's uh, actually 73.9. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. So we can take a trip there and... Here's the really cool thing about Field. While it is a very small town, it is a thoroughfare because the Trans-Canadian Highway is the only road access to the town. 
And that highway is very well-traveled because it actually connects Glacier National Park of Canada to Banff National Park. Okay. And I'm sure you know. Two that... hugely popular national parks. Yeah. So you have to actually go through field using that Trans-Canada Highway to get to um, from one park to the other. Cool. <clears throat> and so, of course, I had to figure out what the Trans-Canada Highway is. And again, the PD of WIC did not let me down. So that and other sources told me that the federal provincial highway system that travels through all provinces of Canada, from the Pacific Ocean on the west to the Atlantic Ocean on the east, is what makes up the Trans-Canada Highway. Now, the main route spans 7,821 kilometers, which for those of us who are in the U.S. using the customary units, it's about 4,860 miles. Now, it's one of the longest routes of its type in the world, and as of 2019, it's actually the fourth longest, only being beat out by the Trans-Siberian Highway, Highway 1 in Australia, and the Pan-American Highway, which is number one for being the longest. And that's really super cool. It's 30,000 miles long, and I didn't know this. It goes from Buenos Aires all the way up to northern Alaska. That's pretty cool. I know, 30,000 miles. That's impressive. But you know what's even more impressive? The music that Trans-Siberian Highway puts out each year around the holiday season. (laughs) Something to listen to for sure. (laughs) Well, the Trans-Canada Highway started being built in 1950 and completed in 1971. So... While it may be a very cool stretch of road, it's very dangerous in this area because in the winter, this 18-mile stretch has 130 natural avalanche paths. So you're saying that at any time in 130 areas, there's... No, in 18 miles. Oh, in 18 miles, there's 130 natural paths that could trigger and come right down on the highway at any time at any time because the snowfall they get and the fact that it's in this valley this river valley you could actually see the paths of these avalanches that you start at any time throughout the course of the season so are they are they they constantly causing the avalanches man-made avalanches well there is avoid that or yes so there is a department called Parks Canada that works throughout the winter season each year to make sure avalanches don't happen. <laughs> and they do this by creating avalanches. avalanches. <laughs> makes perfect sense. <laughs> so let's create an avalanche to stop an avalanche. But oh. actually, it's very scientific, it's geological, and it's done in a very controlled setting. They use explosives to set these avalanches off, which in turn makes that natural avalanche occur But what it does is it prevents the roads from being closed to locals and tourists. um, And more importantly, I mean, avalanches are deadly. If an avalanche came down, it could cover the highway. It could kill people in a moment's notice, and they would be caught in the deadly path and game over. So So, they cause these natural avalanches. Yeah. I can almost hear the Mountie talking to the, uh, the drivers. Oh, sorry, folks. We uh, wanted to avoid an avalanche, so we caused an avalanche. Sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry. (laughs) Yes. They um, spend a lot of time and a lot of money making sure that these avalanches are done correctly so that people don't get killed. And because trucks and goods travel using that highway, it has to be clear at all times. Okay. So. I'm getting a good picture of what this highway looks like. Awesome. Um, from just all of our travels and seeing all these things. And I can actually see 
the avalanche paths. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Scary, right? It is scary because I've always worried when we drove through Colorado and all those other mountain towns in Utah and everything. I was always worried, not necessarily about the just the uh, the snow avalanches, but the rocks falling. Oh my gosh! And you we, see the signs. Yeah, like. <laughs> you see the sign. Well, we came around one last time we were out in Utah. We came around a corner and there was just a rock right in the middle of the highway, mm. and lots of uh, swerving. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so it it can be deadly. They want to prevent people from getting killed, but most importantly, I think um, they just want to make sure that that highway stays clear and that it's safe for truckers and everyone involved. So on this day, it was February 3rd, 2021. um, A gentleman named Jesse Dahlberg. It was just this February? Yeah. Oh. And another friend of his named Patrick Sangers. They were actually watching the railroad crews, um, which Parks Canada has railroad crews and, all sorts of different types of workers who are working on these controlled avalanches. But they were watching as these crews were getting ready to set off this controlled avalanche near Mount Dennis, which is just west of the town of Field. Okay. And a few minutes before the avalanche happened, Jesse saw an elk crossing right in front of the slide path of the impending avalanche. Now, first of all, it's rare for elks to be alone. Right. But... It was. I mean, thankfully, it was by itself because... <laughs> it hadn't peed on itself recently. I... No. Well, no, I mean, yeah, because I guess if it had, then other elk would be around well, it. They'd it be like, hey, let's hold out. So maybe it was looking for other <laughs> elk. It was just out for a morning stroll. I don't know. But in an interview with the CBC, which is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation News, Jesse shared, I didn't know how big the avalanche was going to be. So I was hoping for the best when I saw it. I thought there was no way the elk was going to survive. So picture this. These guys are just getting ready to watch the explosives take off. And then they end up seeing this elk crossing the path where they know the avalanche is going to fall. Yeah. And so they were a little freaked out. I mean, they're like. Well, yeah, absolutely. It was like, he's in trouble. He, she. Not sure what type of elk it was. but Oh, okay. So they, they didn't describe... It wasn't a male or a female. They didn't say that. I articles. believe it was a female because it did. they did not say it had horns. Antlers. <laughs> but here's the thing. The avalanche went off and the two guys watched, obviously in horror, as the elk disappeared from their view. And, quote, he said, the wall of snow caught... Up to that elk so fast, it just blasted it. Oh, have you seen... I mean, you've seen videos of avalanches and how incredibly oh fast they are. I forget the speed that an avalanche typically goes downhill, but it's it's probably over 90 miles per hour. Right. I mean, it's got to be flying. Okay. Yeah, I did not look that up. That would have been an interesting information to find. Um, obviously, they're not going to stop an avalanche just because an elk is in the way. They, they didn't know the elk was there. Right. And, but these guys did. And so here's the thing. And this is what I absolutely love. So these two men knew right then and there they had to go see if the elk survived. So the avalanche settled. Everything was fine. As they made their way up to the debris trail, they were shocked when they saw sticking up out of the snow. And this is like, to me, is like would be like the most... <gasps> moment in the world but they saw a nostril an eye and a brown tuft of hair oh poor baby the rest of the elk was completely buried in the snow i mean can you imagine how scared that thing oh it had to be scared out of its little elk mind 
So he said, I could tell it was alive. It was looking at me. I could see its nose moving. With one good eye. It couldn't move. It was in that snow like concrete. Oh, I'm sure it was compacted all around it. It was alive, and I wanted to save it. Aww. So I they like sprung into action. Dun, dun, dun. Jesse started digging the snow right away from the elk with his hands. And can you imagine just like shoveling snow? And of course, they weren't prepared to, to do this yeah. very much. But luckily, they had a shovel in the truck. So Patrick went back to the truck to get the shovel. And well they done, worked Patrick. really fast to free the elk, knowing that every second counted. I mean, it's probably been... I don't know how long it had been since the time the avalanche went off, the snow settled, you know, the elk was buried. But they knew that the longer it was trapped in the snow, the less likely it would be to live. Yeah, because uh, even though the nostril was exposed and it could get air, it's it had to be compressed. So it's, it's ribcage oh, the weight of the snow for expand. Sure. Oh, yeah. Poor baby. So according to Avalanche Canada, the survival rate for humans fully buried in an avalanche is around 90%, but that's as long as the victim is found within 18 minutes. So a human found within 18 minutes is going to have a high probability of survival. Right, exactly. But, and this is pretty scary, the chance of survival falls pretty quickly past that point, reaching just 30% for victims buried up to 40 minutes. Okay. Hypothermia, oh, lack of oxygen. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, imagine being compressed and not being able to breathe. Right. And not being able to bury, your, you know, dig your way out. No, you probably it, can't even move your arms mm-mm. when you're that compacted in. Right. Not at all. So uh, time was passing quickly, and the men were determined to free the elk. So they worked as fast as they could, digging away the snow while at the same time trying to keep the elk as calm as possible. Now, here's the other thing. Elk are not friendly creatures, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, here they are digging this elk out. The elk is freaked out. They're probably freaked out worrying that the elk's going to, like, get free and hurt them or, you know. Get right. A, I was going to say get a paw loose. That's not right. No, they, they have hooves. <laughs> get a hoof loose. <laughs> but thankfully, within 15 minutes of getting to the elk itself, they managed to free the animal's hindquarters and they were able to remove enough snow to give the elk a shove. Oh, my gosh. It could have kicked him and killed him. I mean, I think everybody was in shock at this yeah. point. So thankfully to both of the surprise of the gentleman and the elk itself, it stumbled out of the snow. And this is awesome. So I put my arms up and started cheering because I was so excited that it was alive. The whole Aww. time I didn't know if its back was broken or legs were broken. Right. I was so happy, Jesse said. So then... <laughs> Listen to this. The now free elk walked a few feet away from the gentleman and stood there staring at them. Oh, no. It turned around? It turned around oh. as if to say thank you. And I do have a photo of that that they happened to snap, and I will put that in our neighborhood community. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait to see it. And as Jesse and Patrick turned to leave... The elk watched them as they walked away. Oh, what a, how cool is that? I know. You would think that it would just run away for good, but it really did turn around to thank it them. It really did. And the picture like literally says a thousand words. Oh, so. I love that story. So Jesse shared how meaningful it was to him to be able to help save the elk, knowing it never would have survived without them being there at the right place at the right time. 
What a great story, Deanna. Look at you Thank pulling you. an animal story out for the first one. Well, everybody played. loves an animal story. Who doesn't? Jesse and Patrick, good on you that for right? for taking that action and hopping in there. What are the odds that the the elk was even that high up on the surface of all of it? I mean, it's like astronomical that all of this was happening. That they were there watching. That, that they the, were uh, capable mm. of going into it and uh, unbelievable. It was meant to be. Very meant to be. Oh, and you know what, Deanna? I'll tell you what impressed me the most about this story. I think you've become quite the elk spurt. <laughs> I would say I am. If you need to know anything about the Trans-Canadian Highway, eh? Eh? I'm happy to share that information mm, sorry as about, well. Sorry about that, folks. <laughs> sorry about that. Great story. I loved it. Thank you. I can't wait to hear yours next week. Oh, mine's, yeah, mine's coming up next. I'm working on it right now. I'm excited for that. Uh, it's going to be different. <laughs> there will be no elk. <laughs> That's okay. That's the beauty of what we're doing here. The beauty of what we're doing is we're bringing... The finest stories from around the globe, and it can be about elk or it can be not about elk. And either way, good because we... I did not want to be hamstrung into only elk <laughs> <No>. stories. <laughs> but either way, we guarantee it's going to make you smile, it's going to make you laugh, might even make you tear up a smidge or two along the way. But Aww. regardless, um, we know we want to help you happy up your life. I love it. Great story. Thank you, Deanna. Thank you, Chris. Excellent. Hey, guys, if you liked that story, uh, please let us know. Go to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. You could say, I really enjoy elk or elk, ha elk, elk have hooves. <laughs> you <laughs> say whatever you want. <laughs> but a five-star rating would really help us to get uh, up elk in the charts there at Apple. Horns. And uh, if you really, really like us, what can they do, Deanna? They can go to Patreon and become a neighbor in our community. We'd love for you to move in. We'd love for you to join our private Facebook group and support the good all around us. There's all sorts of cool things for being one of our neighbors. Yeah, we can't wait for you to borrow our mower. <laughs> That's right. All the links for all that stuff is down in the show notes. Mm -hmm. So you can click on those and easily get to that. And uh, finally, most importantly, probably of all, please subscribe to the podcast Wait, so you that. get all of the new episodes when they arrive. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope we were able to happy up your life today. Great story. Thank you for joining us on the good all around us. Bye, everybody. Have a good, good day. Good day.